This episode might contain scenes that include violence and other sensitive details. Listener discretion is advised. Also, do hit the notification bell so you won't miss the next episode. Enjoy! Hey listeners, happy Halloween! While modern day Halloween is usually associated with candy and costumes, the origins of the festival are much darker than we think. More than 2,000 years ago, the 31st of October signified the end of summer and the beginning of a long, dreary winter. The ancient Celts believed that Halloween is the only day in a year when the boundaries separating the living world from the dead would be blurred. When that happens, it is believed that ghosts from the underworld would return to Earth. But while that may be a frightening proposition, what can be equally as terrifying is the thought of a real-life monster on a murderous streak. Vicious, bloodthirsty, and out in the streets. This is Heinous, Halloween edition. And you're about to listen to a story of a criminal who might still be alive and roaming the streets you walk on. Whenever the phrase serial killer pops up, people often associate it with names like Ted Bundy, the American who kidnapped, raped, and murdered more than 30 young women in the 1970s. Or names like Ahmad Surachi, a spiritual leader who lived in a small village in Indonesia and murdered over 40 women during the 1990s to the early 2000s. Nowadays, the term serial killer isn't as common as it was 20 years ago. Part of the reason for this is the technological advancements made in forensic science and criminal investigation work, making it harder for criminals to evade capture and easier for authorities to foil their murderous plans. But back in the 20th century, it was much easier to get away with murder. In the Philippines, the first documented case of a serial killer was a Catholic priest by the name of Juan Severino Malari. He was responsible for claiming the lives of over 50 people in a small Filipino district called Magalang. However, this case was documented quite a while back. The murders occurred when the Philippines was still under the Spanish colonial rule back in the 1800s. Since then, there haven't been many instances of serial killings in the Philippines. However, there was one case that was particularly heinous. A man who killed over 40 people in a single day. We're in Cebu City, a province in the Philippines. Within Cebu's northeast region lies a tiny settlement called Danao. 
The town has a rather small population of 150,000 people. Its economy mostly thrives on agriculture, fishing, and the production of firearms. But the city of Danao is also known for something sinister. More specifically, a man who once made the entire city tremble in fear. His name was Warlito Toledo, also known as Wawai. Like most of the Danao population in the 1980s, he was just a simple farmer who worked in a sugarcane plantation. Records state that Warlito and his beloved wife would often work together, harvesting their crops from morning till night. However, no one would have ever guessed that Walito would soon become a bloodthirsty monster. Years later, Walito would be responsible for a number of reckless murders, among them the rape and murder of a 17-year-old student. There's even a story that he once went berserk and murdered 40 people in a single day. After his crimes came to light in the early 2000s, fear quickly swept through the local community. Warlito Toledo was said to be the subject of most conversations on the island of Danao, but because modern technology had not reached the region until the beginning of 2010, stories of Wawai's crimes either came from newspapers or through word of mouth. Rumours about the man spread like wildfire. So much so that they seemed to give rise to an urban legend. Whether or not he was real, the mere mention of his name piqued everyone's attention. Was he a serial killer? Was his story just a tall tale? Did he really kill 40 people in a single day? These questions rang across the city, and every time the story was told, it got more and more compelling. The enormous amount of rumours circulating may have diluted the facts, hence various interpretations of his crimes may exist. Though it's difficult to determine the true nature of his crimes, this is one story with the most consensus. In the 1980s, Walito and his wife, who was expecting at the time, were harvesting sugar canes in the field as part of their regular routine. After a long day of work, they returned home to rest when a bunch of men brandishing assault rifles barged into the house and attacked them. During the ambush, Warlito was shot, stabbed and wounded. He watched in anguish as his wife was viciously raped and killed right in front of his eyes. This event completely changed him. Warlito wanted to inflict the pain and suffering of his wife onto others. His rage consumed him and he committed the following years of his life to killing as many people as he could. According to our records, Warlito specifically targeted expectant mothers. Though the reasons were not made clear, we guessed that it was probably because his late wife was pregnant at the time of her demise. Perhaps one of the more sinister stories of his killing sprees was that after Walito had raped and killed one of his victims, he proceeded to carve her chest out of her corpse. Due to the lack of information available, 
Juanlito's criminal timeline only has a few exact dates. We know that his name would make frequent appearances in the headlines during the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. Based on the Danau court records, he was charged with reckless imprudence resulting in homicide on November 8, 1989, marking the beginning of the discovery of his misdeeds. On December 1, 1999, he was arrested again for a rape case that was filed three years before in 1996. Now, here's where things start to get murky. Up till the year 1999, Morlito's charges were settled out of court, meaning there was no formal punishment such as jail time imposed by the judicature of Danau. This was particularly strange because his crimes were among the worst infractions of the law, murder and rape. He should have received some form of punishment for breaking the law. But he never did. A few years later, in September 2002, Ralito was arrested once again after another rape charge was filed against him. This time, he was indeed sent to prison. But right as the authorities were about to close the case for good, Ralito escaped. Although it's unclear how he managed to pull it off, the Danau police were rendered helpless as Ralito was never seen again. Until he resurfaced. Five years after his prison break, Ralito was implicated in another case. This time, the rape and murder of a 17-year-old female student in Danau. However, it is understood that he had once again evaded capture and was never apprehended for this crime. No one can say for certain how Walito escaped justice for such a long time, but the crimes he committed were in fact well documented and supported by police records. He had to be a master escape artist. Otherwise, how on earth did the island's most talked about criminal disappear time and time again? If we take a look at some of the other urban legends that exist, we might find a clue. Hey listeners, the Heinous team is incredibly grateful for all the support we've received. As we continue to revive more Asian true crime stories, we hope you continue to support the show by giving us a 5-star rating on Spotify. Legend has it that Warlito had a talisman in his possession. Referred to by locals as Anting Anting, it's believed that his talisman had the power to make him invincible. This is where his stories would start to appear as fiction. It was believed that whenever Warlito donned the talisman, he would possess shape-shifting powers. He would then transform into an animal and prowl the streets, stalking his next victim. Once he had his eye on a potential victim, he would spit on their slippers or shoes that were left outside the house, like a territorial animal, marking its prey. 
people began to keep their footwear indoors and avoided walking the streets after midnight because urban legends like these were widely believed. However, all of this continued to be regarded as fiction, though that was until the Danau Police Department did something that completely changed everything. Wanted posters issued by the local authorities were printed and plastered all over the city of Danau. The posters featured a massive portrait of Walito with the words robber, rapist and murderer lining the bottom of the poster, along with phrases like armed and dangerous. Prior to the distribution of the posters, many people believed that the story of Walito was merely a made-up story to scare children off the streets at night. Now, people began to take this seriously and a foreboding atmosphere could be felt in the city. The rumours of the shape-shifting serial killer started to get out of hand, which prompted then-police chief Larson DeCino to discredit the idea that Walito possessed any supernatural abilities. According to Chief DeCino, Walito was just an ordinary fugitive with luck on his side. This was a statement from the police chief given to the press. It is not surprising because some people deliberately add a thing or two to a story just so they have something to talk about. The problem is that some people rely on the wrong information. Others tell it in such a way that makes Wawai a supernatural being to scare the kids. Interestingly, the police chief also denied the death of Walito's wife. Walito has no supernatural powers or amulet. And no, his wife has not been murdered. Hey listeners, for those of you looking for more Halloween scares, do check out our friends over at the After Dark Podcast as they release their Halloween special feature, The Haunting of Amelia Ang. Based on the original Wattpad story written by Lindsay Clark, The Haunting of Amelia Ang is an eight-part audio drama series surrounding the mysterious disappearance of the eponymous Amelia Ang. Once a friendly and otherwise normal teenager, things would begin to take a darker turn upon Amelia's sudden vanishing, leaving her friends, schoolmates, teachers and family lost and despondent. But more than a year later, local influencer Samantha Leung gets roped into the case as she receives a haunting photo from Amelia herself, taken on the day of her disappearance. Curious, she begins to dig into the case and starts to uncover more than she could ever have imagined. Here is a sneak preview. Here's the story. One name, one person, Amelia Ah. You ever hear those stories ah, where people just vanish? Poof, gone! No explanation, no nothing. She seemed a perfectly normal teenager. How are you feeling today, Amelia? Yeah, yeah, they're all around me. Can't you see that? Amelia Ang was being haunted by something truly evil. She knew about the dark presences of this world, the figures behind the curtain. You'll be begging them every day to leave you at peace. Not that it'll do you any help. They won't listen. They never listen. Something sinister happened to make Amelia Ang disappear. <laughs> now you've done it. You've let them in now. 
They're always following. Follow Samantha on the haunting of Amelia Ang as she works through a slew of characters, misfortunes, and stunning revelations. All eight parts are now available exclusively on the After Dark podcast, and you can find the show on Me Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Links are in the episode description. In our pursuit of the truth, we came across an intriguing article written on a local Filipino blog about the beginnings of Walito's killing spree. According to the article, the story of the armed men storming his house and raping his wife were mere rumors and were never true. In fact, another version of the story mentioned that it was Walito who murdered his own wife and that he found the experience to be highly pleasurable. In fact, he had enjoyed it so much that he sought out other victims to kill in search of the same high. It's difficult to distinguish between the stories that are true and those that are fabrications, but there's no denying that the sheer gravity of his crimes was more than enough to frighten the entire city of Danao. It's been almost 20 years since we last saw a rape or murder case with Walito's name attached to it, yet no one knows what happened to him. In the mid-2000s, the local government reached out to the public and offered a reward to anyone who could share information regarding the shape-shifting serial killer. Up till today, there have been no updates on the case and it appears that Walito Toledo could still be a free man. Ralito might still be alive, but it's likely that he's already put his life of crime behind him. If we do the math, he should be in his 50s or 60s today, and he might not be as strong or nimble as he once was. We think Walito knows this as well, which explains why there is no association of his name to any recent cases of rapes or murders. However, there is a slight possibility that the killings have continued till this day. Maybe we just don't know about them. In the Philippines, police in different states and jurisdictions do not necessarily communicate or confer cases with each other, making it extremely challenging for authorities to connect the dots if Walito ever decides to commit other killings around the country. Nonetheless, Walito's killing sprees have not only made him a highly wanted fugitive, they have also earned him the title of the modern-day boogeyman, one that might still be out there today. This is a written account from a Cebu citizen. I went home tonight through an almost empty street near our house. The alley, which was usually loud and noisy, was lifeless and very quiet. The kids, who usually fill the night air, 
We felt rants about which superhero was the strongest were nowhere in sight. This is odd, I thought to myself. Then, it hit me. I saw a poster neatly taped on the wall of my neighbor's house. It said, Wanted. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. If you would like to share some feedback or suggest other cases that you would like us to cover, you can reach out to us via email at heinous at oneupmediapodcast.com or through our Instagram or TikTok page at heinous underscore oneupmedia. This episode of Heinous was researched, produced and written by Yeo Guangjin with audio engineering by Ethan Sam. Special thanks as well to executive producers Danny Cordy and Barry Toh from MediaCorp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Heinous. Heinous.